Welcome to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Be Set Free features the teaching ministry of Pastor Nick Cady. Pastor Nick's desire is to bring the gospel into our lives so we can experience the joy and freedom that can only be found through Jesus. Today's message comes from our series, An Anchor for the Soul, a verse-by-verse study of the book of Hebrews. Here's Pastor Nick. Amen. Good morning. Glad you're here with us this morning. Please open with me in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. So it's the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. So on Sunday mornings, we're currently studying through the letter to the Hebrews, which is one of the greatest books in the Bible. I mean, this is one that ties together the Old Testament and the New Testament. That's what makes it unique, is that we see in this book how the Old Testament is fulfilled in Jesus and how the New Testament shows us all the fulfillment of the things that were pictured and foreshadowed in the Old Testament. So it's been a great study so far. We're really coming up on the end of this study right now. You know, one of the things we like to do here at Whitefields is we like to take whole books of the Bible and study right through them. So we'll take verse by verse, chapter by chapter we want to go from the beginning to the end because that way we can really learn and hear the entire message of a given section rather than just jumping around and hitting on our favorite topics we can actually just let God speak to us through his word and take in the whole message of a particular book. So today our text actually deals with one of those topics that a lot of people struggle with in believing and that's the topic of suffering. There's a good God who can do anything he wants. Well, then why do bad things happen? Why do people suffer? Why are there school shootings? Why is there cancer? Our text today addresses these kinds of questions head on, and it shows us how the gospel alone can equip us to look reality in the face and not lose hope. So let's go ahead and begin this morning by reading our text, which comes from Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 32. What more shall I say? Time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions and quenched the power of fire and escaped the edge of the sword. They were made strong out of weakness. They became mighty in war. They put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. This is God's word. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this message, and I pray that as we study it, as we get into it, Lord, that we would understand it, and that, Lord, you would make it clear to us how this applies to us, and what the message of this is for us. Lord, I pray that you would bring clarity where there's been confusion. I pray that you'd bring encouragement where there's been discouragement in our lives. And Lord, this morning, we ask that you would strengthen us Lord, help us to see you, help us to see you and to see the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of who you are and what you've done for us. And Lord, we ask that you would do those things as we study your word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So imagine with me, if you would, a perfect life. What would a perfect life for you look like? A perfect life. Everything you could ever ask for, everything you've ever dreamed of, what if you had it all? 
Imagine that you're fulfilled and successful at work in your career. Imagine that you're married to your soulmate. You had a dream wedding and you've got beautiful children. You and your spouse, you're, you're people of faith. You go to church together. You pray together. You have plenty of money. You're able to travel the world and go on vacation. If that were the case, wouldn't it be easy to say, my heart is full and say something like, all is well with my soul. But then what if after having all of those things, you lost it all? So that's what happened, actually, to 17 families in Florida this past week. And aside from them, there are countless other tragedies that people experience this past week and every day in our country and around the world. Illnesses, accidents, they affect countless lives. And so here in this section, we are told that there's actually something that if you have it, it will enable you to face anything that life can bring your way, that life can throw at you, that life can deal you and still be able to say with confidence and joy that it is well with your soul. So what is that thing and how can we get it? The title of today's message is Of Whom the World Was Not Worthy. There are two things that this section teaches us. So here's our our kind of outline, our two big bullet points, two things that we see in this section. Number one, having faith makes your life better, except when it doesn't. So having faith makes your life better, except when it doesn't. And secondly, the promise of something better promise of something better. So first of all, having faith makes your life better, except when it doesn't. And remember who this letter was written to. Let's remember the context. It was written to people who were tempted to give up. They were discouraged. They were tired. They were worn out. Maybe some of you can relate to that in your lives. Many of them had become Christians, but as a result of becoming Christians, their family and friends had turned against them. Their lives had not gotten better. In fact, just the opposite for some of them. Becoming Christians had actually made their lives more complicated, made their lives harder. And so some of these people got to the point where they said, you know what, I'm just ready to throw in the towel. I tried the whole Christianity thing, and I think it's just not helping me. It's not working out for me. It's not doing anything for me. I'm just going to throw in the towel because who wants to do something that makes your life harder, right? That doesn't make any sense. And there are plenty of people today who would say the exact same thing. I tried out Christianity. I went to church, but it didn't work for me. It did, I didn't get anything out of it. My life didn't change. It didn't get any better. So I've just kind of given up on it. I've moved on to other things. And to these people, to such people, the writer of this letter would say, don't do that. Whatever you do, don't do that. Don't give up. And I'm going to tell you why you shouldn't give up on Jesus. And throughout this letter, the writer has been showing us over and over in different ways what is so special and what is so unique and different about Jesus. That Jesus is not just another great person like many great people who have lived throughout history. He's not just another great teacher or another religious leader, but he's actually so much more. He is the divine Savior. He is actually God come to us in order to save us. And then the writer showed us how God has been foretelling and foreshadowing and predicting who Jesus would be for thousands of years in many different ways throughout the Old Testament and everything that went on in the Old Testament in all the Hebrew scriptures. He was foretelling and foreshadowing who Jesus would be and what Jesus would do. And the end result of seeing all of this now, he says to us, he he brings to our attention, the end result of seeing all of this and understanding who Jesus is, is to show us that Jesus is the Savior that we absolutely need. And the only reasonable response to seeing who Jesus is and what Jesus has done is to put your faith in him. To put your faith in him, to believe the gospel, and to look to Jesus and to embrace him as your Savior. But then someone might ask the question, and it's a valid question, Okay, well, what does that even mean? You tell me, uh, believe in Jesus, have faith. Well, what does that mean? What does it look like? How do I know if I'm doing it or not doing it? So, you know, help me out here. 
here in chapter 11, it's almost as if the author anticipated that question. He says, I'm glad you asked. Let me explain to you. Let me show you what it looks like to have faith, what that looks like in somebody's life. And so in chapter 11, the author has been answering that question of what it looks like and means to have faith by pointing us to some of the great people of faith throughout Jewish history, people like Abraham and Joseph and Moses. And what he's saying is, look at them. Look at what it meant in their lives that they had faith. They, it wasn't just like an intellectual assent to certain theoretical beliefs. No, beliefs. No, these people trusted in, they relied on, they clung to God and what God had promised them. And their faith was seen in the way that they lived, in practical ways, in how they lived. And that's what we're talking about when we say that we should have faith and live by faith. And now, starting in verse 32, the writer is still talking about those heroes from Jewish history, but he takes kind of a turn. He, he shifts gears a little bit, and he wants to tackle a new issue. And here he's going to say, okay, but look at these people. They had faith. They walked with God. They were faithful to God. Where did it get them in life? What did it do? What happened to them as a result of them having faith? Where did their faith and devotion to God get them? And so in this section, he gives us a list, a list of great people of faith throughout history. But it's actually two lists. It's actually two lists, and I'll tell you why. Because there's a division. It's actually, there's a division between the people at the beginning of the list and the people at the end of the list. And that division actually takes place right in the middle of verse 35. You know, that's the thing about the Bible is that the numbers and stuff, they weren't added until much later to help people navigate it. And so sometimes the numbers aren't placed in always the most optimal spot. Here we have two lists, and the number is placed in the... I think the wrong spot. I mean, that's just my opinion. I think that the break should really be in the middle of verse 35, and I'll, I'll show you why as we go on. From verse 32 to the first half of verse 35, you've got one list, and then the second list is from the second half of verse 35 down to verse 38. Now, let's talk about the first list. The people in the first list, what are they characterized by? Each of them, it says that they had faith in God, and as a result of their faith, things got better. Their lives got better. By faith, they went from weakness to strength. By faith, they overcame great obstacles. By faith, they looked like they were about to be defeated. And then they became victorious. They were facing overwhelming odds. Everything was against them, but they triumphed. Why? Because they had faith. In every case, it looked like they were done for. All hope was gone. They were doomed. But in the end, they came out victorious. And the reason was because they had faith. God protected them. God gave them success. Because they had faith. Let's look at some of these people. You might recognize some of these stories that are being alluded to here. So first of all, it says like, for example, through faith, people shut the mouths of lions. Well, what's that talking about? That's talking about Daniel. Maybe you've heard the story of Daniel and the lion's den. Daniel, here's the story. He had faith in God. He was faithful to God. He was devoted to God. But where he lived in Babylon, they passed a law that no one was allowed to pray to God. You could only pray to the king. Because they treated their king as their God. But Daniel refused to go along with that. He said, no, I will remain faithful. And he says, no matter what happens, I have faith that my God will carry me through if I remain faithful to him. And so Daniel continued to pray to God until one day, even though Daniel was a prominent official in the Babylonian government, somebody reported him to the authorities for praying to the true and living God. And he got arrested. And his punishment was that he was going to be thrown into a pit of hungry lions and they were going to eat him alive. Now this was quite the punishment, but it was also a very common 
punishment. And every time that they did this, every time you throw somebody into the lions, you get the exact same result. You come back the next day and they're gone. They're no longer there. So they take Daniel and they throw him in this pit of lions, expecting that the exact same thing will happen that always happens. They close up the pit, they come back the next day, and what do they find? Are you looking for a resource to help you answer some of the most difficult questions about God in the Bible? Then we've got good news for you. Pastor Nick has written a book called The God I Won't Believe In, Facing Nine Common Barriers to Embracing Christianity. In this book, Pastor Nick deals directly with some of the biggest questions people struggle with, such as how a loving God can allow innocent people to suffer, whether God condoned genocide in the Old Testament, or whether the Bible encourages the suppression of women and minorities. Does the Bible really say that some kinds of love are wrong? And is there any actual proof that God exists or that the Bible is trustworthy? Pastor Nick addresses these topics and more in this book, which is a great resource for anyone who wrestles with doubts or has concerns about these topics. And it is a great resource for those who want to help others who have questions about these topics. So to purchase this book, search for The God I Won't Believe In, Facing Nine Common Barriers to Christianity, wherever books are sold or visit nickkady.org. To celebrate the release of this book, we are offering a free copy of the book as our gift to any of our listeners who make a donation of any amount to support Be Set Free Radio at besetfreeradio.com. And now, back to today's message. Daniel's alive. The lions haven't touched him. It's a miracle. Daniel had faith in God. Daniel was faithful to God. And the result was God saved him in a miraculous way by shutting the mouths of the lions. Another story that you might know is in verse 34. It says, some quenched the power of fire. What's that talking about? It's talking about another famous story from the book of Daniel. The story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? So we read this story in Daniel chapter 3. And here's the story that these guys, very similar to Daniel, they were told to bow down to this huge statue that the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, had erected of himself and demanded that everybody worship it. They would play the music, everybody bows down, but these guys said, we can't do that. We're not going to do that. We, we worship our God, and we're not going to worship some idol. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refused to do that because they had faith, because they were faithful to God, and their punishment was they were thrown in a fiery furnace. It says that it was so hot that the people who threw them in there died as they threw them in. And yet they're thrown into this furnace, and everyone expects that they're going to be dead, but they don't die. Somehow God intervenes and protects them from being burned by the flames. God saved them and rescued them from the situation. And they come walking right out of it alive. And in every one of these situations, in each of these stories, we see that people faced incredible odds, overwhelming odds. Some of them faced certain death, difficulty, suffering. But because of their faith in God, because of their faithfulness to God, they were spared, they were saved, and they were rescued. Some were poor, some were weak, but they had faith in God, and as a result, things got better. And the greatest of all of these examples is found in verse 35, where it says that there were women who received back their dead, raised to life again. In the ESV translation, it says that they received them back by resurrection. In other words, they received them back from the dead. Now, there are a couple people in the Bible who this is describing who were raised from the dead. In 1 Kings chapter 17, there's this woman called the widow of Zarephath, who through the ministry of Elijah the prophet and the power of God, her son died, but he's brought back to life. Then we read in 2 Kings chapter 4, 
Elisha's protege, Elisha, there's this woman called the Shunammite woman. And through the ministry of Elisha and the power of God, her son was dead, but he's raised back to life again. In the New Testament, we see that Jesus raised two people back from the dead. So there was the daughter of a man named Jairus, and then there was a friend and disciple of Jesus' name, Lazarus. Now, these are the kind of stories that we love, aren't they? These are the kind of stories we can't get enough of. Like Hollywood loves to make movies about this exact same thing, right? Victory snatched from the jaws of defeat. Many movies, right? They're made about the poor kid from the wrong side of town. Terrible family situation, but he doesn't give up. He has faith in God and he's faithful to God. And then he gets some kind of miraculous break and he's able to overcome incredible odds and he experiences great success as an athlete or, or something else in his life. Or we love to hear those testimonies, don't we, about the person who says, you know, all the doctors said, there's no hope, they're not going to make it, but you didn't give up, you prayed, you fought, and now that sick person is all better and they've recovered and they're standing right here and it's a miracle, praise the Lord. We love those stories, don't we? I love those stories. We should love those stories. I have my own stories like that of things that I've experienced, even in my own family, even with my own kids. And we celebrate those things and we absolutely should because in those stories, here's the thing, we see God at work. We see that God cares and he intervenes and when we put our faith in him, when we seek him in prayer, he answers those prayers. We love these stories. My business was going under, but I prayed, and, and I trusted God, and God did something amazing, and he turned it around, and now it's going great, and now I'm successful. Great stories. We celebrate them. We're glad that those stories exist because they inspire us. They build our sense of awe and our trust in God, but here's the thing. If you would stop here in the first half of verse 35, here's what you would think. This is what faith does. This is where faithfulness to God will always get you. If you have faith, you will overcome anything. And things will work out for you. If you have faith, if you are faithful to God, then everything's going to work out, no matter how impossible it might seem. If you just have enough faith, if you constantly, you, you will constantly find yourself victorious, walking in success, and always overcoming hardship and sickness and even death. Except that's not where the story ends. In the second half of verse 35, he, give, he begins another list. In the second half of verse 35, there's a change, a major change. The, the New King James Version, I like a little bit better here because it really makes it pop. Here's what it says. It says, but there were others, others. There were others who believed, who had faith, who trusted God, who obeyed God, and yet their lives went in a completely different direction than the people in the first list. The people in the first list had faith, and as a result, they escaped the edge of the sword. The people in the second list, they also had faith, but it says that they died by the edge of the sword. People in the first list, they were faithful to God and they obeyed God and everything worked out. But the people in the second list, they were also faithful to God. They also obeyed God, but they got stoned to death and they got sawed in half. That really, that ruined your day. Like Noah, he was mocked for his faith. Jeremiah was mocked for his faith. Joseph was thrown in prison. Zechariah, the prophet, was stoned to death in between the altar and the temple. It, when it mentions people being sawed in two, that's a reference to Isaiah, the prophet, who according to tradition, that's how he was killed. They took him and they sawed him in two. Those are some pretty big names. Does this mean that the people in the second list had any less faith than the people in the first list? Absolutely not. That, that's exactly the point that it's making. The point of these two lists is to show us two key things about the Christian faith. Two key things about the Christian faith. Number one, that having faith in God and, and following Jesus doesn't guarantee that you will have a problem-free life. It doesn't guarantee that God will rescue you out of every problem or that you will always have success. 
And secondly, it reminds us of this, that the ultimate hope of Christianity is something bigger, something better than just having a comfortable problem-free life. And so let's talk about that. Let's talk about the promise of something better. I like how the ESV puts it. It says the promise of a better life. In verse 39, it says that all of these people, although they had great faith, they did not receive the reward of their faith in this life. Verse 40 says that God promised to give them something better. Well, better than what? Better than this life. Better than even the best life that you could ever dream of. In verse 35, when it talks about the people who received their dead back from the grave, who received their loved ones back from the grave, what could be better than that? I know that there are some of you who have lost loved ones. Now just imagine how much you wish that they could just be here with you right now. Isn't that the best thing you could possibly imagine? And yet he says there's actually something better. There's actually what he calls a better resurrection. There is a better resurrection, and that is where our hope needs to lie. The people who have that hope, the hope of a better resurrection, look at what it did for them. It made them so bold that they were willing to look, they were able to look pain and suffering and even death right in the eye and not even flinch. He talks about these people who were tortured and the only thing they had to do to make it stop was just renounce their faith. And remember who he's talking to. He's, he's talking to people who are considering renouncing their faith. And he's saying, look at these people. They were tortured. And the only thing they had to do was renounce their faith. But they wouldn't do it. And why? What could enable someone to not do that? Because in Christ, they had a promise of something better. Something better. Something that they wouldn't give up for anything. Look at the people in this first list again. Daniel, saved from the mouths of lions. Incredible. Miraculous. Amazing. But do you know what happened to Daniel after that? That's the part of the story that we don't usually tell, was that Daniel lived for a few more decades, he got really old, and then he died. Right? We don't usually talk about that part. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're saved from the flames of the fire. And then a couple of years later, they eventually got sick and, and passed away. These people who were raised from the dead, none of them are alive today. And what that means is that at some point in their life, they died again, and that time they died for good. Every single person who Jesus healed eventually got sick again and died. You see, as wondrous as these miracles were, they were only temporary. They, were, they only postponed the inevitable. They were only temporary relief because eventually sickness and death overcame them and will overcome all of us. The same is true for us. See, you can have everything, good health, success in your career, a beautiful family, but eventually this life will end. And what Jesus said is this, what will it benefit you in the end if you gained the whole world and yet you lost your own soul. Our hope has to be in something better than just this life, something bigger than just a good life now. Paul the Apostle, he said this, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, then we are of all people the most to be pitied. He said these others though, look at these others. Their eyes were set on something better, something bigger, a better resurrection. They weren't just hoping for temporary relief. Their hope was set on something better. And as a result, they are lifted up high above. And notice this, they're actually elevated above Abraham and Moses. Can you imagine that? The people who the Jews revered more than anyone else, Abraham and Moses. He says, these people are even greater than them. These are the true heroes of the faith. These are the people who had faith even in the midst of great trials and walked with God by faith even in the midst of these great difficulties. These are the people, he says, of whom the world is not worthy. But this does bring up some interesting questions, doesn't it? So, so here's a few questions that this brings up. So for example, if, if God is loving and good, then why is there so much suffering in this world? Why doesn't God put an end to it? 
Come with me again to the, to the beginning of human history, at the very beginning of the Bible. One of the very first stories that the Bible tells us is to answer this very question. It tells us that when God created the world, sin and death weren't a part of what he created. They weren't a part of his system. They weren't part of his design. But see, we chose, rather than trusting God and walking with him by faith, that we would go our own way and do our own thing and, and, and try it on our own. And the results of that were disastrous. See, we did that and we brought, by doing that, foreign elements into the world. The elements of sin, the element of corruption, and the result of which is death. And then something very interesting happens. And this is really what I want to bring your attention to. Something very interesting happens there in Genesis, right after sin and death and corruption come into the world. Here's what happens. It says that after that happened, God forced the people that he had created to leave the garden paradise that he had created for them to live in. Now you might think, wow, why is he doing that? Well, even worse, he says that he put an angel with a sword to guard the entrance so that they could never come back. And you might think, wow, that's pretty harsh, right? Like, why would God do that? Like, where's the grace, man? Well, it actually tells us why. It's absolutely fascinating when you really understand why that happened. It says right there in Genesis chapter 3, it was so, and it says this literally, God said, so that the people may never come back and eat from the tree of life, because if they do, they'll live forever. In other words, God was preventing us from coming and eating from the tree of life lest we eat from it and live forever. Now that doesn't seem very nice, does it? Like where's the grace in that? We mess up one time and he cuts us off from eternal life forever? You've been listening to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have three in-person services on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. And our 9.30 and 11 services are live streamed on our website for those who would like to worship with us online. We are located just east of County Line Road and Highway 119 at 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. For more information or to hear other messages from Pastor Nick, visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. Be Set Free is a listener-supported program. If you have been blessed by this message and would like to support this ministry, you can send a donation via check to 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504, or donate online at besetfreeradio.com.